Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Really? He could be in here, he's all alone, he's gone! Sensation at Wembley from Sunderland! McKinney! Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland started the season perfectly in almost every way, winning 2-1 at Wigan, um, or, well, against Wigan, sorry, and then followed that up with a 2-1 win against Port Vale tonight in the Carabao Cup. However, we'll come back to league form on Saturday, our first away game of the season, many people's first away game for a long, long time, and it is the MK Dons, a scene of some quite... Good scene, shall we say, a couple of years ago, and hopefully they'll be exactly the same. To uh, to preview the game, we've got Liam from MK1 Podcast, who is making his hat trick. Um, see hat trick today, mate. Don't know whether you knew that. I've got to give you a match no. ball. But um, how are you doing? Are you all right, apart from that? Yeah, I said the match ball. I'll take the three points on Saturday. That'll be all right, thanks. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad getting by um happy with something start of the season another we win tonight even though there was no stream available to watch it for anyone looks like Patterson made a fantastic save so yeah all, I was gonna say all's good in the hood there I don't think I've ever said that in my life <laughs> so um but MK Dons obviously we're going to be getting into a lot of different things here because there's been one or two things that have happened at MK shall we say um but I want to start straight from the top 3-3 draw Bolton what did you make of the game very entertaining, first of all. Uh, I think it's made six goal thrillers, and it's always an entertaining trip to Bolton, usually. Um, overall, yeah, really happy. Um, obviously, the situation we're currently in isn't the greatest. Um, you know, no first team manager, no first team football staff really to coach the actual players. So we're relying on Dean and Ray Lewington to coach the players on an interim basis, which isn't exactly ideal, especially when Ray Lewington's meant to be retiring. Um but yeah, it, it, the spirit of the lads was excellent on Saturday. You know, players like Haram Boateng came out of being in the wilderness, as he put it, um, not being in the squad for 18 months. And then he got, not had a squad number for this season and came in at the weekend and scored the third goal, which ultimately got us a point in the end, which could have been even more if we had a defender do it better. Um, but yeah, and Lewington's an absolute legend at the club and he's a real leader in that dressing room. And I think the players aspire to him a lot. Um, and that's shown on Saturday by the way they performed for him and for the fans travelled up, which is near enough 400 in the end, which considering the situation, I think is well, quite commendable. Some fans won't think that. I we had some comments after the game, but uh, hey, listen, you've got no manager, managing your team, what do you expect? Um, but yeah, really pleased. Um, and yeah, they fought Saturday. It's a vastly different club, I think, as well. I mean, let's be honest, MK Don's history oh, because yeah. of various reasons which I won't need to go into means that it's not exactly the club that attracts many fans apart from people from MK so therefore yeah. yes that it, that does make to me that makes a lot of sense um, Bolton's a tough one to start with because I think 
obviously had Ipswich came up against Morecambe. I think most people have seen that as the performance of the week. Obviously, the the Bolton MK game was the the game of the weekend. I would say based on entertainment and goals scored. Bolton have just been promoted, but Bolton are Bolton. They are a big fish in this in this particular pond, even though they've just came up. Would you have preferred to play them at a bit of a different time because you don't really want to play a newly promoted side on the first day of the season at their own ground, do you? Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. And I think with Bolton, it's the case of they're looking up rather than down this season, even before Saturday. You know, they kept the majority of the lead two squad that got them up and they added to that and the likes of Bakayoko coming from Coventry, who's played in League One for years and years. Um, so players like that can only add to the quality of that squad. And um, yeah, players like Owen Doyle, you know, he's, he's a proven goal scorer in multiple leagues. So he's also going to get you pretty close to where you want to be. So yeah, I mean, playing him in the, another time would have been ideal. And of course, playing him at home is probably even worse. Um, had been at our place, I'd be a bit different. But I think the next two games, especially the one against Ipswich, which we'll probably touch on here really, but it's quite an important one for us because they're still a team that's meshing together. So it could be probably the best time to play a team like Ipswich who are going to have a lot of players to come in. Um, whereas a team like Sunderland, which I'm sure we'll get onto, is it's a team that's lost a lot of the deadwood, in my opinion, and has now got a proper squad who can really compete at the top end of the table. I suppose we're speaking with hindsight, which is always wonderful, like two or three days or 72 hours after a game. Um he took the lead twice in the game and then obviously a 95th minute equaliser. I think a point is a good point, especially considering the circumstance. Absolutely. But was it a little yes. bit frustrating to lose the lead twice? Um, I, well, it's not exactly ideal, is it? I mean, yeah, I anyone wants to lose was, leads. Was it nice to end... concede in the 95th minute is what I'm asking you, isn't it? <laughs> no, but listen, listen, it's, it's MK Dons. This happens all the time. Um, your manager leaves well, a week before the season starts and your coach staff leave as well. So this is what happens. Um, but no, listen, I think if you ask most MK Dons fans for the game, you know, would you take a point? I think 90% have said yes. Um, so yeah, I'll take it and move on. So quite an interesting one with the, the backstory to um, Boateng because that was something I obviously came across at the time. He didn't start. Um, I think the majority of your, your new boys started in the middle, obviously Twine and, and Robson. Uh, Boateng came on. What what was the kind of the background to that? Because it's a a hero. Sorry, a zero to hero, isn't it? Pretty much overnight for him. Well, from the eyes of Russell Martin, yeah. Um, I think with Boateng, he was always you know it's a really good League Two player. He couldn't take step up to League One, and um, I think Russell Martin echoed that consensus opinion and didn't really play him. As I mentioned, didn't give a squad number for the season coming up whilst he was manager. Then of course he left. And um, funnily enough, Dean Lewis had a similar experience with a previous manager, Robbie Nielsen, who exiled him from the squad because he didn't really agree with what was going on at the time. So he went to train with another uh, EFL club. And um, funnily enough, as soon as Nielsen left, or got, I think it was sacked in the end, Lewington came back and you know, it was the best year it's ever been. Um, and funnily enough, Boateng has a good relationship with Lewington. I think he related to him based on that experience, came into the squad on Saturday got, I believe it was 20 or 30 minutes. And of course, scored the third goal, which it could have won us the game. It didn't in the end. But I think um, that just shows the resilience and the passion of the blokes to, you know, be at this club for so long, go out to clubs like Cambridge, for example, have a really good season at Cambridge last year. And, you know, come back into, into this side and uh, put a performance in for us. And hopefully he'll do the same going forward and be a part of this squad. 
feel like I've teased the conversation about Russell Morton, so I might as well get on to it. Um, I think Russell Morton's a funny one. I didn't expect him to go. I don't know how you would have felt with it, but obviously he's gone. And, and the problem we've got at the moment is, at the time of speaking, he hasn't yet been replaced. You're touching it before. I think a lot of people aren't aware that it wasn't just Russell Morton that went. He kind of basically took the entire backroom staff with him as well. Um, he was making waves. He was impressing me. I thought he was building a decent project or MK were building a decent project with the way they played, the signings that were made, which we'll come on to. Um, but we're about a week on from his departure. What were your immediate thoughts when the, the links to Swansea were there? Do you think he was going to go? I think I think immediately it was just, I was a bit shocked, to be honest, because um, it all kind of started at a Spurs friendly or the in the build-up to Spurs friendly, say, sorry, when... Um, it was links that Swansea approached him and we didn't we didn't really believe it because we had a similar situation in Bristol City previously as to which you know they they apparently approached him he turned them down and people were like okay whatever fine uh, days went on and on the interest well seemingly grew and grew and by the time we all Don's fans on the train down to Bournemouth for the Saturday game Russell Martin had been officially approached and from our understanding took the job already but was still scheduled to, you know, manage a team at Bournemouth, which was a ridiculous situation. Um, I understand the club tried to act professional as possible regarding the situation, and they were told certain things by Russell Martin and the media were to to um, understand the point that he, you know, turned it down again and was speaking after kickoff after a third approach apparently. But um, I think, from my opinion, that was a complete lie. Um, because I think in most Don's fans' eyes, it already took the job at that point. Um, so, yeah, I think it went from complete shock of him taking the job to a bit of anger and then just acceptance that it's happened and we have to move on. It's a real shame because, as you mentioned, the product he's building here was, I thought, really special. And I think the chairman also thought that Pete Winkleman, you know, I think he's, it's not official, but it's believed that he spent a club record for MOI, so he's probably the biggest transfer that clubs ever had in terms of players coming in and money spent. Um, so the, the chairman went all in on the actual process itself and uh, the man leading it, or the men leading, I should say, have a ditched it a week left. Um, a week left to go until the season starts. Um, there has been, I think it's kind of some news Saturday regarding some names. It's nothing's official yet. Um, you know, uh, Peter Rook mentioned that he, he thinks one man's going to get it and that looks fairly promising from what we've seen. Um, but, you know, we only really talk about official stuff, so we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, hopefully, it's announced before the Sunderland game. Um, and if it is that person, he won't be in charge of that game because he'd have to self-isolate because of where he is in where he is in the world compared to the UK. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it was a shame. It's a real shame, and you know, it's just a difficult situation to take. But it has to happen to us in a long time uh, since the Demon TO days, which are what over ten years now. Um, so, yeah, it's just, just difficult to take, really. It's an odd one because, obviously, to the people who haven't listened to, obviously, the MK1 podcast before, um, I've listened to the, the, the interviews you've done and the podcast you've done with Russell Martin, which is, it's not completely unusual these days to get a manager or a chairman on a podcast. It's it's more media-savvy managers do it. And But when I listened to it, it was kind of, you listen to a guy who genuinely had two or three years in his mind of where he wanted to go with it. He joined a specific club for a specific reason. He was bringing in sort of some certain players last season, which is when I first listened to the podcast that he thought we were going to progress them and also young players to progress them as well. 
Um, why do you think you did go? Because you've obviously done those podcasts, you've done those interviews, and I'm not alluding to the fact that you know the inner workings of his, his brain, but you've probably had more contact than, than most. And from the outside looking in, he seemed a very happy man, and that played a factor in my decision and my thought process that he would turn Swansea down. Then he did. Um, what, why do you think he chose Swansea over MK? Um well, first of all, I think from actually speaking to him for hours on end and listening to him hours on end, I think some stuff that he told us was, it probably was a lie. Um, and that is that is hard to take because of the podcast we've on him. And it's, it's gone from my mind sometimes whether what to do with those episodes, keep them up or whatever, because it's, I don't know, it, it kind of, we've been the Milton Keynes, Don's podcast, and it's been in such as its other podcasts as well, whatever uh, content creators like Milton Keynes, it's it's difficult to take because it feels like it's ruined your credibility a little bit because mm-hmm. you're reporting on the club itself rather than a not top 20 or a, a training ground training ground guru who they're more EFL-based and more just football-based. It doesn't really matter to them if Russell Martin just leaves your club unexpectedly. Um, so yeah, there's that, but I think with Swansea, I got it. The main, the main thing I got was the progression of his career going there because the previous managers that have been there, the likes of Brendan Rodgers, Roberto Martinez, Graham Potter, most recently, they've all got on to bigger things like the Belgium national team, for example, uh, Brighton, Leicester City, of course, with Brendan Rodgers. So I think with Martin, he's a very passionate and ruthless man. Um, and I feel that as soon as Norwich or a big Premier League side that he feels he could develop come calling, he'll do exactly the same way he's done to us. So I've I've pre-warned Swansea fans set several podcasts. It will probably happen if it comes to it. So I wouldn't like get your hopes too much on the Swansea way and playing this football for a long time because uh in a couple of seasons he yeah, could well be off if if Swansea aren't, you know, projecting where he'd want them to be, which is probably the Premier League and beyond. Now I mentioned my opinion of this on your podcast, but I'm going to assume that because you haven't released it yet, that the people listening to this might not have heard it yet. Um, <laughs> but there's been a lot of chat about stunting the progress. Like the man who is running the show and the men around him have gone. The progress has, that they've made, this kind of project that's been put together has now disappeared and now MK can kiss goodbye to potentially going in the playoffs. That, that's the way it's came across from the outside looking in. And I can probably understand why. Um, first and foremost, before I go into my thoughts and opinions on it, do you think that that departure of Russell Martin and his coaching staff has the potential to stunt the progress of, of MK Donzo? And, and most importantly, do you think it will? Um, well, the, the big question is who comes in. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, it, if, it's, if the man comes in that I think is coming in, then no. Um, I think this squad proved on Saturday that it's more than good enough to compete with some of the best teams in the league. People may laugh that Bolton is a good team in the league, but I think they will be top 12 this year. Yeah. I think, you know, eventually they got a squad for it and I think they proved on Saturday that they're going to fight for every point. Um, I know there's perfect opportunity to show it in these next two games with Sunderland and Ipswich. You know, these, these two teams are going to be the top of the league. We want to be top of the league and I think we should be with this squad. It's, it's more than good enough, to be honest, the amount of talent that's in it. Um, so yeah, it's down to these players once again to prove everyone wrong in the fact that you know we don't need Russell, Russell Martin is at MK Dons. You know these players are MK Dons, Lee Sweet's MK Dons, Dean Lewin's MK Dons, and the fact that 
it's their opportunity to you know start season well and one thing Russell Martin writes about is you want to play the big teams straight away because you can prove your you can make your mark on the league you can get the big teams out of the way with and start fast and last season didn't do that that's what cost us um, and we got we finally kicked to the gear out November, December time it was too late then whereas this season we had the real chance with the players we've got to right our wrongs from last season admittedly without the man in charge but it doesn't really matter so yeah I, I think um I think it doesn't hold us at all. I think, if anything, it could actually project us to be better than expected. Because I used the example of, of Lincoln on your podcast as how you can sort of recover from it. Because I think Lincoln are a better team than they were when they had Danny Cowley. I think Appleton's done better with him. He's improved him. He had that steady in the ship moment, which you might need to go through. But is that kind of the... Is that the maybe not the blueprint, but is that an example of what you hope could happen at MK Dons where you can bring someone in who can implement his own ideas but also drag and continue the project with his own ideas and get you higher than Russell Martin might have done over the next couple of years yeah it's about because the end of the day Russell Martin has coached his players really well that's the one thing that no one can really deny that they've, they've been they've been moulded into these players who can play a completely different style now and do it in multiple ways so if anything this is this should be an opportunity where a manager can come in from a different background who maybe has a similar style to Russell Martin in terms of liking possession, liking to play with you know, attractive uh, attacking football, but at the same time, you know, have the experience to which he's not going to make the same mistakes that Russell Martin did in terms of, you know, not making possession count and taking two risks when it's not necessary and costing us games like we did against Blackpool and uh, so many other teams last season. So, yeah, this, this appointment's bigger than a lot of people think. And I think that's why the club's taking a little bit of time about it. I think it's very close to being done, um, which, hey, hey, it could be done for Saturday. Who knows? But um, yeah, I'm hopeful. I really am, actually. And I think it's it's taken me a little while to get over it. I think some Don's fans still haven't got over it just yet, which is completely understandable. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what happens. I think football fans are tribal, aren't they? I'm still not over Darren Bent leaving us about 12, 13 years ago because <laughs> he went to Villa. So I think, yeah. unfortunately, with Russell Martin, as much as there might be some fans that thank him for kind of what he did and the slight progression that he made with yourselves, I think leaving when you were 13th in League One on the cusp of a brand new I league season. I uh, definitely don't thank him, that's for sure. No, I mean, I, I can't imagine that he's going to be wanting to come on or you're going to want him on the podcast anytime soon, put it that way. Although you, you never know, who knows? Well, we, had, we had that question. Well, funnily enough, uh, we had that question uh, before and yeah, it's a real touch subject. Um, I think we'll, we'll wait for the invite to come first before we do anything. Let him set up the Zoom, not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've sort of touched on before. I'm not going to press you on who you think it might be because I don't think that would be fair. Um who would you like it to be, ideally? What kind of names, when it first happened, wow. you first started thinking about who should I, who could we bring in? Who were the names you were thinking of when it dawned on you that you actually did need to manage and the kind of Russell Martin leaving was sort of forgot about, if that makes sense? Well, my, my, my team that really wanted, I think, without looking at any bookie odds and what we could possibly do, uh, the first one was Michael Flynn from Newport. Um, admittedly, it was a very unrealistic name. I just really like him as a coach. He's really well at League Two for many seasons now. He's got a proved record working with young players and excelling them. So yeah, that, that made sense to me. 
Uh, Jody Morris also made sense to me. You know, former assistant of Frank Lampard with Derby and Chelsea has had reasonable success at EFL level and obviously has really good success working with younger players at Chelsea. Um, and we we'll also work with Charlie Brown. He's one of our strikers who uh, is a really talented prospect. Um, outside of that, uh, I think a name that grew on me a bit was Stephen Bradley from Shamrock Rovers. Um, plays a very similar style to ourselves in terms of uh, possession-based football and has had a really good couple of seasons at Shamrock in terms of win the league of the season prior and the cup. Um, and I think a lot of fans warmed to that name once they did a bit of research about him. The name that has come up, which uh, I don't want to say the name because the club might get iffy about it, but he's, he's part of the City Group. He's been working under a club under the City Group uh, for a little while now, has worked with New York City FC as well because he's been in that group for a long time. And he's uh, works on possession also, a bit like uh, Bradley does. But he's, he's very similar to Russell Martin in terms of his philosophies. And I think that's why the club are really into him because it's essentially a plug-in, plug-and-play pretty much in terms of Russell Martin, which is what this squad needs because they've been trained to play a certain way. And in my opinion, it's, it's a win-now squad in terms of, yes, he should be aiming for top six and higher. So I think if this guy comes in and can basically just carry on how he would, doesn't really matter, doesn't really need a pre-season or embedding in period. He can probably, in a couple of weeks, you know, have the squad playing the way he wants them to and getting results. And I think that makes the most sense. And I think the chairman will like that a lot because obviously he's got a lot of money vested in this squad. And I think even after a season, some of them could be saying, oh, I want to be off because, you know, the gaffers left that I was meant to be playing for. So yeah, this this guy makes a lot of sense and I'm glad the club's taken a bit of time over it because they could have easily have just rushed and appointed God knows who and uh, you know, it could be reaping the consequences of that. Jordy Morris was the, the original favourite, wasn't he, if I remember rightly? Because I thought, oh, fair enough, that would kind of make sense. But it's a it's an interesting list of candidates. I mean, I'm going by Skybet, which tells you who I bet with. Um <laughs> Bet responsibly, carefully, whatever it may be. Um, but Liam Manning's the, the favourite. Um, but Michael Duff, obviously Cheltenham's in there. John Terry's in there. Stephen Bradley, who you've mentioned. Jordy Morris. It's it's a bit of a weird, bizarre list, isn't it? Has it? Would Jordy Morris, the original favourite, have been someone you'd have, have favoured? Would you have welcomed that in? Well, I think the real reason Jordy Morris was the favourite was because apparently the club contacted him pretty much straight away. Mm-hmm. So I think Jody Morris was up there in terms of because the, the club had come out and said they didn't really want to approach a manager at a club currently, um, just because of how it makes him look as a club based off what's happened with Russell Martin and Swansea. Um, but I think it must have got to a point where all the candidates that they wanted didn't really buy into it, and obviously Jody Morris falls into that category. So it's got to a point to now where they need to target managers who are at clubs like a Bradley and like other people in the market here up there, that they wouldn't have to pay an extreme amount of compensation for, but also I think targeting that type of club that they are, I'm not sure the ramification would be too harsh. And I think that must maybe why, whereas this has been very public and the club, whilst the club are trying to make it less public as possible, they'd rather be it that way. Uh, Some things just come out and the amount of sources that people have these days, uh, things get out so easily. You can't keep things private for too long, unless you're Danny Ying's sign of Aston Villa, which came out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
the good thing about any manager that comes in is he's coming to a side where a lot of people who watch League One, um, study League One far more than I do, would say MK probably had the best transfer window. Um, Troy Parrott was obviously a good signing. Ethan Robson, ah, but a lot of Sunderland fans think Quality he's all right. Player. Yeah, people seem to really like Ethan Robson. I'm not entirely sure, on him, to be honest, but Mo Issa and Twine, both players who, obviously, Mo Issa needs no real introduction to anyone who watches League One. But Twine, great play, played for um, Swindon last year against us. I think it was in November-ish time. Had a free kick from about 35 yards up. I just pinged the bar. I think he scored one on Saturday again, didn't he? So, yeah. Um, I don't want to call him a dead ball specialist because that sounds like he does now else. But he's a good, good player. He's been a good signing. And Troy Parrott, obviously, he's came in from Spurs. I think he's somebody who didn't really necessarily need a, an introduction either. Um, before, obviously, the Russell Martin situation happened and that became the main focal point of conversation, you must have been really happy with the transfer window. Oh, yeah. It, it was... I think it has been our best window ever in terms of signings. I think most Don's fans would agree with that. Um, obviously, yeah, my wife's uh, believe club record fee on him. Um, just, just bagsman, basically. Scored the weekend, knows where the goal is, what we need, pretty much. Same with Troy Parrott. Was really unlucky not to score the weekend. I think it was cleared off the line. Um, again, he's he's kind of a nice compliment to Isa. We saw the weekend anyway in terms of what he can do with the ball. Um, Ethan Robson's an interesting one. Obviously, as you mentioned, the fans know him quite well. He is probably going to start Saturday, I'll tell you now, because uh, one of our better players, David Kasumu, is out with a hamstring injury for a good little while now. So he'll probably play that pivot role. And uh, he did really well against Bolton on Saturday uh, in that pivot role Ethan Robson did. So I'd be very surprised if he got dropped. Um, and he looks pretty tidy. Obviously, part of that promotion winning team at Blackpool, who you know obviously did really well to get promoted. Yep. Uh, Josh Martin, an exciting player, and uh, on loan from Norwich. Of course, that was one of Russell Martin's favours to us. Quite an explosive player. Not sure he's going to play. Um, initially, he was brought into players being back. Um, but I believe Lewington will. Well, yeah, I believe he does prefer Tanai Watson, who's a bit more whatever sort of signing. He's a bit more solid at the back offers more structure but also offers a bit of attacking quality down that right hand side uh, missed anyone else so yeah Scott Twine um, bit of a maverick player can do it all pretty much and is very similar to Scott Fraser actually and when you look at the stats from last season so at the time he wasn't a replacement but of course now he is um, so yeah it's been a very good transfer window and I think that's why the optimism is so high despite losing uh, the manager and all his coaching staff I think one player that stood out for me last year, uh, particularly in the, the two games when we played each other, like in a week in the, I think it was the Pizza Cup and then played just in the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. 3-0 and 2-2, if I remember rightly. Um, and I remember specifically speaking to you about when you said you weren't too sure at the time, but whenever I watched him, I was quite impressed, was was Matt O'Reilly. Um, obviously, I think he was at Fulham previously, um, yes, as a young yeah. boy. I've seen him since then. I, I've been impressed. He's still on the side. Um Am I wrong in my judgment? You'll know better. You watch him every week, or has he improved since we last spoke? No, no, he's very good. He's, he's improved every game. Um, obviously, it helped that he had Scott Fraser alongside him because Scott Fraser was that box of box midfielder who would do everything and let Matt O'Reilly focus on the creativity side of things. Um, I think for Matt, it's all about adding goals to his game. Like a prime example last season was against Ipswich away. He should have scored a couple of goals, and I think he, he knows that himself. So, you know, I think for this season, for Matt, it's about doing the same, but also adding a bit more to your game. 
Um, and well, funny enough, the, his first goal opportunity this season has been a missed penalty against Tottenham in the pre-season <laughs> friendly. So not the best start, but no, I've got, got, got full confidence in him to excel this year. And again, he's going to be in a team that's going to create loads of chances and he's to do that for himself and also others. Um, so yeah, him him and Twine are quite an exciting duo to have uh, just behind these Iser and Parrot. There was one player I really, really wanted you to sign in the summer and it, unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I think you would have been all right taking him as well, but we might as well get on to it because it's an interesting one. He was on the bench for us tonight. He came on, he scored in pre-season, but he scored in last pre-season. I think unless something dramatic happens, Will Griggs' Sunderland career is never going to take off and he desperately needs a move. He did quite well at MK Dons. And you brought in Moisa, you brought in Troy Parrott, so we kind of figured that the interest or any interest you had in and Will's obviously gone but what did you make of Will Griggs time at MK last season? Um, when you look at the stats it's not very impressive I think it's like eight goals and 20 appearances but if you narrow it down to actual starts it's uh, very good um, I think towards the start of his time they had like five goal contributions in like his first four starts and I think that's just that was just uh, credit to the system he was in he was getting loads of chances and him and Cameron Jerome were very good up front uh, I think Rochdale away was a good example of their partnership and how well they did. Um, I think when it came to signing him, the club were definitely interested. I think Russell Martin was very clear on that interest. Um, but when you can get the likes of Troy Parrott on loan, um, obviously my wife came in, but he's been imagine he'd be more expensive than Grigg. Um, Will Grigg just becomes a liability, unfortunately. It, I think he, there is a player in him. I think, I think his performance last season showed that. But I think uh, I think Sunderland is a relationship that just needs to move on, uh, and clearly a lot of clubs. If you like, we have a Kieran Agard, I suppose. A lot of clubs just are a bit traumatized by what they've seen at Sunderland and don't really want to take a chance on him. Um, I think he needs an environment, maybe a bit like Wigan, which uh, was unfortunate for him as well. Another opportunity that he missed out on, where he's familiar, he knows the people there, and he's got loads of goals there because he's done it before. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one because I think Russell, Russell was keen. So I think it working down to probably price and his astronomical wages. I'm sure he's on at Sunderland that maybe put us off. Yeah, I think he's on. I mean, I'm not going to put anyone's wages on a public podcast, but I, I think they were higher than people probably thought. And I'm, I'm not saying higher than people thought. I don't think people would be that surprised, yeah. to be fair. But um Obviously, I think I'd be very surprised if you said Will Grigg was the man you were worried about going into the game on Saturday, just <laughs> based on how things go. But it's a question that I always ask and a question that I always enjoy the answer to. Um, we've been decent in pre-season. We've won two and two. All right, once Port Vale with a second stringish team, but the Wigan win was a really good win. I'm sure you've seen the highlights. Um, who are the players you're concerned about going into the game on, on Sunday? Saturday. Uh, <laughs> Saturday. Saturday, yeah, Saturday. So hopefully it's Saturday. Um, no, yeah. Ross Stewart's probably the main one. Um, I think what I was saying to you was not great. He's basically a summer signing in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, he had the hamstring injury as all Sunderland fans now, I'm sure, and didn't really get two chances of Wyke up front. Now uh, Deadwood White's left the club. Um, Ross Stewart's obviously come in and really show his skill set. And of course, he scored against Wigan on the weekend. And I think uh, well, our defence is really struggled with the taller strikers a bit more physical and are also good at their feet um, you know our centre-backs official Borno Hora at the centre who's you know who last season was on the right hand side with Harry Darling in the centre they can't switch roles this season so far and um, that actually probably suits Ross Stewart more 
Um, because he could not that Warren's weak defender or anything, but Stewart's a lot more physical than Warren and could probably have his way with him if he has a good game. Um, so yeah, I think and with the defense, how it played against Bolton, especially if Fisher isn't going to be fit, which uh, he's been training, but he's not actually played a game yet this season. Um, yeah, that's that worries me a little bit. Um, and of course, of course, the attacking, the attacking quartet of Yembegidi and Embleton and players like that, who are I mean, even bloody, um, who is it? Uh, Pritchard tonight. You know, Pritchard uh, came and got an assist against Port Vale. He's a really, he's a good player on his day. And there's a reason, you know, clubs like Huddersfield spent so much money on him a couple of seasons ago he's clearly got the quality so yeah there's a lot of attacking talent in Sunderland and I think Lee Johnson this season it's his first full season and a bit like uh, our former Gaffer Russell Martin I think it could be a season where we finally see what Sunderland's really about and I think it could be a lot of goals this season Fingers crossed as you said that um, talking of goals Final question as always. Uh, match prediction going into the game on definitely Saturday, definitely not Sunday, definitely <laughs> Saturday. Um, yeah, I think it, it for me it's the same as the Bolton game. I'll take anything in this game. I don't care how it comes or how we how we get it. Quite frankly, um, I think there'll be goals. I think both teams are full of attacking talent, and the defense is a bit suspect at the moment. Um, so I'm gonna go. 2-2 that's weird that's what I'm going for as well I'm uh-huh. going for a 2-2 yeah because we might have a left back we still don't have a right back we've got Callum Doyle but we've also got Tom Flanagan um, who I'd be surprised he had two good games in a in a week I should probably not say that I sat next to his brother-in-law at the, at the game on Saturday so I should probably not do that um, but that's my honest opinion but 2-2 I'd be happy with the draw might turn defeated Sunderland fans probably thinking what but I'd be happy with the draw but I appreciate you coming on mate and pleased to have you back yeah no worries thanks for having me again Graham awesome cheers <laughs>